No matter how much I try to describe heaven today, much like last week when I was talking about hell, I can tell you there are no words, whether it's one week or five weeks or a year, I cannot describe to you the reality of how horrendous, how horrible hell will be. I, I cannot tell you enough about how it is a place to avoid. We talked about last week a perpetual place of torment that many people who spend their lifetime in church will ultimately end up in, unfortunately. But also, I can tell you this. In talking about heaven today, there are no words. There, there's not enough vocabulary that I could present to you that can describe the beauty, the splendor, the wonder of what heaven will be like. I'm going to do my best. We're going to talk about it today. But I cannot put it into words and certainly can't fit it into one sermon or a hundred sermons how incredible heaven is going to be. Amen? But we're going to try. We're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about life. You know, somebody asked Billy Graham one time, they, they said, is there anything that has surprised you? The question presented to him was, what has surprised you most in life? What has surprised you the most? And Billy Graham's answer was the brevity of it. How brief life is. And the older we get, we know that life is short. And there's destinations. And according to the Word of God, there's only two. There is hell that we talked about as a place to avoid, but there's also heaven. Heaven is eternity with God. And the Bible actually describes it as a place. If you have your Bibles, turn to two portions of Scripture First, turn to Revelations chapter 22. Hold your place there. And then we're going to start in the book of John, John chapter 14. We're going to look at these scriptures. We're going to put the scriptures on the screen. So if you're new to grace, you could follow along there. But if you have the word of God today, we're actually going to start with Jesus' own words in John chapter 14 and verse number one. And here's what he says. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Here is Jesus, and he's teaching and talking, and he's saying this, in my Father's house are many mansions. Now, I said last week that uh, I may kill a sacred cow or two, and one of them I, I might have to put the rest is the fact that, that we actually get a mansion when we get to heaven. The biblical word here for mansion actually means room. It does not mean a four-story condo overlooking the ocean, right? That's worth well over a million dollars, all right? It just simply means a room. So Jesus is saying this, I'm going to heaven to make room for you. It is an actual place. Heaven is not a concept. It is not an idea. Heaven is a physical, listen to me, church, a physical place that you and I have the opportunity to spend eternity in. It's a place. 
Amen. And so Jesus said that place has room for you. Now, if you want to believe that your room has gold faucets and marble floors, go ahead. I got no problem with that. In fact, I would tell you this, it's going to look prettier than you could ever imagine, than you could ever think of. You could think of the most beautiful place here on earth, and I'll tell you this, heaven looks better, amen? God is always able to outdo what we could ever think of. So heaven looks better than your picture of what a mansion might look like, but it may not be four stories, all right? But it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a place... That God has prepared for you. So the three most often asked questions about heaven, I believe, are this. These three. First of all, what will we look like? What will we look like? Everybody wants to know, what am I going to look like when I get to heaven? And then the next question is, will we know each other? Will there be relationships? Am I going to be able to know my husband, my wife, my kids, my friends, my family, right? And then the third question is this, what are we going to do when we get to heaven? And I would argue that the last question is infinitely more important than the first two. All right? But we're still going to cover the first two. So let's start with the first question. What are we going to look like? You are going to look like you. All right? If you look like Steve... In this life, you're going to look like Steve in that life, all right? But guess what? You get a new body. Hallelujah. You get a brand new body. I don't know if you saw on the news a couple weeks ago, this actually happened. There was a man who was in prison who was sentenced to a life uh, sentence without parole, no possibility of parole. He ended up getting sick. He went to a prison hospital, and he actually flatlined. He died on an operating table, and the physicians brought him back to life. And so he petitioned the courts that he should have his life sentence exonerated because actually the person who was sentenced died. And he's now a brand new person. That's a true story. You could look it up. But the court said, no, sorry, Fred, you still Fred. Huh? And I'm telling you what, you're still going to be you because the real you is your spirit man inside of a physical temple. It's this body. But guess what? When you get to heaven, you get a new body. And this new body is not subject to sickness or pain or backaches or headaches or cancer or arthritis or diabetes or any kind of disease. It is a new body that is free from any pain, any disease, any sickness, any cancer. It is a brand new body. Amen. Let's look at the word of God in 2 Corinthians I'm going to read this to you from the living, New Living Translation. Paul writes this. He writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. Now watch this. We will not be spirits without bodies. 
You will not be a spirit without a body. God has given you a brand new body. Hallelujah. And if you want to believe that you are going to have six-pack abs when you get to heaven, go ahead. Good luck with that. I don't think there's going to be any mirrors in heaven for you to adore yourself anyway, all right? If you want to believe that you're going to be six foot four and could dunk a basketball like some people who aren't, go right ahead. Amen? But you're just going to have a brand new body. It's going to be a brand new body. Somebody said, well, we're all going to be 33, just like Jesus was when he died. No, no. Because there's not going to be time and there's not going to be age. You won't age. Amen? You'll just be perpetual. Hallelujah. This new body is not subject to time. Isn't that good news? It's not subject to wrinkles. Hallelujah. It's not subject to gray hair. Hallelujah. Amen. You can eat a large pizza, not gain a pound in your new body. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But if you do it here, it could spell trouble. All right. It'll just be a new body, which leads us to the next question. You will actually be recognizable. The second question that is asked a lot is, will we know each other? Will we know each other? And I could give you an answer, and that's this. Absolutely. According to the word of God, absolutely, you will know each other. This is what the word of God teaches. Remember, Jesus, after he was resurrected, was recognized. The saints who had gone on during the transfiguration, they were recognized. You will be recognized when you get to heaven. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. Now, it will be different, but you still will be recognized. In Luke chapter 16, we started this this whole series off by talking about the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, and the Bible says that while the rich man was in hell, separated from the presence of God, he could look and he could see Lazarus. How did he know it was Lazarus? Because Lazarus looked like Lazarus, right? He was recognizable. Amen. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that when we get to heaven, you're going to have the exact same relationships the same way you have them now. In fact, the Bible absolutely teaches that there is no marriage in heaven. And all the single people said, I knew a few. I knew somebody was going to do it. There's actually no marriage in heaven, so your spouse will not be your spouse. This is what the Bible teaches. In Matthew chapter 22, there were two cults of religious leaders at that time. One was the Pharisees and the others were the Sadducees. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees did not. The Sadducees would always try to trip up the Pharisees by giving them hypotheticals. And one of the hypotheticals they gave them, they also gave to Jesus. And so they went to Jesus and they say, hey, teacher, master, We have a hypothetical for you. There was a man who had seven brothers. And he married a wife. He ended up dying, right? And according to Moses and the law, the next brother down was to marry her. And he did. Then he ended up dying. And then the next brother down was to marry her. And, and he did. And he ended up dying. And so on and so on and so on. I remember reading this parable and I thought, man, if I'm the fourth brother, I'm on the first camel to Egypt. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm out of here. Black widow, no way. I'm gone. All right? 
So all these men kept dying. Now, this is a hypothetical. This didn't really happen, right? And Jesus actually says in Matthew chapter 22, he says, don't you know this? That there is no marriage in heaven. Nobody's given in marriage. Neither do they marry. So I believe this. We relate to each other when we get to heaven no longer as husband and wife. You now relate to each other as brother and sister in Christ. But listen to me. It is a perfect relationship. There's never any fighting. Huh? God doesn't have to look in the back seat and say, would you just keep your hands to yourself? Would you leave your brother alone? Would you stop touching your sister? God doesn't do that. It's a perfect relationship, and we now relate to each other as brother and sister in Christ. But listen, of course we know each other. Of course we recognize each other. Right? Of course, there, there is a reunion when we get to heaven. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in almost every funeral that I've ever preached, I, I have said these words where it says Paul is writing, and he says, I do not want you to be ignorant as to those who have fallen asleep. He's talking to believers about their loved ones, their friends, their family members who were also believers who have died. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant about those believers who have died. He said, I don't want you to have sorrow, listen to this, as those who have no hope. What is he talking about? What is this hope? The hope is that we will see them again. Hallelujah. The hope is that when we get to heaven, there will be loved ones waiting there for us with arms wide open. They will welcome us into the presence of God. We will see those family members, those friends again who have gone on into eternity because he ends this chapter with these words, therefore comfort one another with these words. What comfort would it be if we slip into eternity and we don't even know each other? Where's the comfort? Where's the hope? No, we absolutely know each other when we get to heaven. Which leads to this question, well, what happens, right, when we have a family member or loved one who doesn't make heaven? What happens then, Pastor? Do we know it? Do we spend eternity knowing that our loved one, our friend, the one that we worked with every day, is not in the presence of God for eternity, but spends eternity apart from the presence of God in hell? Well, Revelation says this. Revelation chapter 21 says this. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now watch what it says. In heaven there will be no more death. There will be no sorrow. There will be no crying. And there will be no pain. Now here's what I believe. I believe that when we get to eternity, when we spend eternity in the presence of God, the knowledge of any loved ones that are not with us in eternity is wiped away from our eyes. The knowledge of them. It has to be that way. Here's why. There is no sorrow in heaven. Do you hear me now? There's no sorrow. So you cannot spend eternity in heaven, right, filled with sorrow over those who didn't make it because there's no sorrow in heaven. So the memory, when it says he wipes them away, he wipes away the memory of those who didn't make heaven. Now, that's a sad thought here on earth, right? 
But when we get to heaven, there's no memory of it. There's no existence of it. It makes us want to and ought to make sure that everyone that we know, that we love dearly, is in heaven with us. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So we ought to get busy here on earth, right? So that's what's going to happen, and will we know each other when we get to heaven? Let's get to the last and I believe the most, most important question is what will we do? What will we do? Because there's this great misconception over what are we going to do when we get to heaven? Are we just going to play for, with puppies? Just going to be surrounded by little puppies? I mean, is that really your thought of eternity? Huh? No, that's not what happened. Although I do believe animals go to heaven because animals were in the garden of Eden. And the Bible says the lion actually lays down with the lamb. So if cats make it, dogs have to make it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they have to make it. If a cat gets in, surely dogs are in, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. No, we don't just spend eternity just playing with puppies, and we don't spend eternity just resting, right? And you hear that a lot. They've gone to this place of rest, right? No, that's not eternity. Eternity is not some Rip Van Winkle thought where we just sleep or rest throughout eternity. Actually, the Bible teaches there's work to be done. There's work to be done. Isn't that good news for all of you waiting to retire? Guess what? Enjoy it while you can because when you get to heaven, God puts you to work. Hallelujah. Take your RV, travel across the country. Let's go. Go on that cruise while you can because when you get to heaven, he actually puts you to work. Did you know that? Huh? If you have the word of God, turn to Revelations chapter 22. Revelations chapter 22. This is a vision that John had concerning heaven. We're going to start in chapter 2. Verse 1 says this, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there'd be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. Now watch this. And his servants shall serve him. Verse 4, they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads and there shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun for the Lord, for the Lord God gives them light. Watch this last verse, last sentence I should say, and they shall reign forever and ever. They shall reign. Two things that we're going to be doing in heaven according to this particular scripture, is we're going to be serving him and we're going to be reigning with him. We're going to be serving him. Now, I want you to think about this because not everybody in this room wakes up to a job that they love to go to. Huh? Some wake up and it's good morning, Lord, and then others wake up and good Lord, it's morning. Right? And Monday you dread because you go to a job that you hate and you work with people that you don't like, right? I understand that. Uh, I never had that, but I understand it. I love my job, and I find a lot of fulfillment in my job. Some of you have 
a, a place of employment or something that you do and you get done, whether it be a project, if you're doing construction, you finish that project, if you're doing a project at work, whatever you're doing, you get done and you look at it and there's this sense of satisfaction there, right? Because Psalms chapter 16 Verse number 11 says, at the right hand of God are pleasures forevermore, right? So, so your best day on earth never compares to one day in heaven, never, right? Your best day and your greatest accomplishment here on earth, huh? you do a project or you get something done and you just have this overwhelming sense of accomplishment, that's going to be heaven times a thousand. Hallelujah. We get the opportunity in heaven to serve him continually. And all that we do, there'll be this incredible sense of accomplishment in everything that we do, right? You know, every time we do an event here at church, obviously we do a lot of events. We fill up a calendar full of events. Every time we do an event, we always try to sit back and evaluate it and we go, okay, what could we have done better? Right? And I remember years ago, we did a fall festival, and man, the thing just went off like clockwork. I mean, it was just like, bam. We did everything that we wanted to do right when we wanted to do it. People showed up, and, and everything just went, went exactly like we planned. But I remember we looked back, and we went, okay, what could we have got done better? And the one thing we, we found out is we actually forgot ice. We forgot ice. We're like serving hamburgers and hot dogs and water, and we forgot ice. And it was the only thing we could think of that we really could have absolutely done better that we just missed the mark. And so we go, okay, next year, let's buy ice. All right, let's buy ice. When you get to heaven, you will be given an assignment. You will serve him. You will rule and reign with him. But guess what? You'll never have to look back and go, ah, it could have been better. All right? Because everything in heaven will be done to perfection. In other words, what you do will fulfill you, will fill you with such a sense of accomplishment. And you'll look back and you'll go, thank God I get the opportunity to serve him, to rule with him, to reign with him. It will, it will hit every fiber of your being with this incredible sense of a job well done. Amen. That's why in Matthew chapter 25, listen, in Matthew chapter 25, and, and we read this when we started talking about rewards, right? The, the servant who served him, the master, and was given five talents and got five more. In Matthew chapter 25, he heard these words. It said this, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. What? I will make you ruler over many things. Listen, we don't just slide into heaven. We don't just barely try to get in. We don't do as little here on this earth as possible, just barely making heaven. We don't just live for ourselves and, and just pad bank accounts and go on vacations and post selfies. It's not about that. Here's what we're supposed to do on this earth. We serve him. We work for him because when we get to heaven, we present to him all that we have done. And our life in heaven is going to be based on what we have done here on this earth. I don't want to just make heaven. I don't want to just slide in. I want to rule and reign with him. Yes. Amen. 
And when I rule and reign with him, I want to lay all my rewards, all my crowns down at his feet and say, God, I did all of this for you. All of it for you. And not only that, I want to make sure that as many people as possible are going with me. Are going with me. I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come back to the pulpit. I want to, I want to end with this story. Do you know that there's a bird? Yes, there's a bird. There's a bird called the golden plover. P-L-O-V-E-R. Plover. And it actually makes its home in Hawaii. But then it travels 1,200 miles north to a group of islands off the coast of Alaska called the Aleutian Islands. Right? While it's there, it mates, it lays its eggs, and then when the babies are born, it leaves. It says, see ya. And these little baby birds become teenage birds, right? Do you know that what happens to them is this? They make the journey of 1,200 miles back to Hawaii to a place they've never been. How in the world do they know to go there? How in the world do they know the direction? How is it, how is it possible that something is inside of them that drives them to Hawaii? Because God put inside of them this incredible GPS, this homing beacon that says, I don't belong here. This, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. I belong somewhere else. I belong in Hawaii. Ooh, I'm feeling that one. Do you know, no matter what you've accomplished here on this earth, listen to me, church, whatever status you attain, whatever fun you have, whatever thrill and adventure you've sought after and accomplished, it's nothing, it's nothing compared to what heaven's going to be like, right? And that little thrill that you felt, that incredible adventure, that sense of satisfaction, God gives us that on earth just for a taste, just a glimpse. Because when you get to heaven, that sense of adventure, that sense of thrill, right, is going to be magnified over and over again. Huh? Because you don't belong here. You don't belong here. And God has put inside each of us this homing beacon that says, you know, this is fun. I've had a few laughs. But this can't be all there is to life. This can't be. I wasn't born for nine to five. I wasn't born to just have a few good weekends and take some great vacations and, and laugh and, and raise kids and see my grandkids. I wasn't born for just that. That's great. But there has to be more. And there's this sense and this hunger inside of you that says, I was born for another world. What is it? It's heaven. And nothing you do on this earth will ever completely, totally satisfy you. The minute you check it off a box, there'll be something else that you want to do. Right? 
Would you do this this morning, church? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? You were born for eternity. God put heaven in your heart. He dropped you off on this earth. You were born 40 years ago, 60 years ago, 20 years ago. And he dropped you off. And somewhere along the way, there was this awakening that says, I was born for more than this. This can't be all there is. You're right. There's heaven. When we get there, listen to me, church. When we get there, there are going to be arms outstretched of husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, aunts and uncles waiting for us. I'm so glad to see you.